0: Good morning. Um, So if you guys know anything about me, it's probably that I enjoy to read. I enjoy reading books. I enjoy to read. Um, Yeah, so I love books. Um, My grandpa is here this morning, and he likes to text me funny book memes that he finds. So (laughs) he just did that like twice this week, or maybe just once. I don't know. But I love to read books. That's kind of a defining characteristic of me. And I have a sort of bad reading habit that my friends get angry at me about. Hopefully you won't get angry at me me about it. But I like to read the last page, possibly the last chapter, before reading all of the book. I like to spoil books for myself. (laughs) Um, Not right away. I'll read like the first 25, 50 pages, get a good idea of where the story's going and then spoil it for myself so that I know it's coming. And I found a article. I wasn't looking for it, but I found it and I didn't have the time to go back and find it for you guys. So if it's not totally accurate, I'm sorry. Don't take my word for it. But it was this article saying that you tend to enjoy stories more if you know what the ending is. So you can kind of relax and like you're not worried trying to figure it out. Um, so, like, you just enjoy it more. That's why we rewatch movies or reread books. You just tend to enjoy it more if you know what's coming. And that's probably why I do it for myself. I like to not be anxious while I'm reading books because it's a hobby. Um, and, yeah, so I don't know if that's, like, fully true, but I just took it and I used that as my excuse. So... I'm going to spoil my sermon for you guys, and I don't think it's because you'll enjoy my sermon more, because these spoilers, in my opinion, are fairly obvious, Um, so it more just seems like weird to kind of use it as like a profound statement when you probably already know where it's going. So I'm going to spoil it for you right now, so you know what's coming, and yeah. So, we have been asking the question, who is Jesus, through the Gospel of John, And my question today is, like my sermon title, is what is truth? And so here's the spoiler. I think that these questions answer each other. So who is Jesus? The truth. And what is the truth? Jesus. So with that in mind, let's dissect this story. Possibly. It is not working. The Jews replied, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. So the first thing that strikes me when reading these verses is the dramatic irony of it. If you don't know, dramatic irony is when the reader or audience of a story knows something that the characters do not. So basically, we know the end, we know what's going to happen, but these characters don't. This is what the characters know. Um, It's Passover, which is the Jewish holiday that celebrates the liberation of the Israelite slaves from Egypt when the angel of death passed over the Israelites because of a sacrificial lamb's blood they put on their doorway. And according to their customs, they didn't want to be unclean, so they refused to go into a Gentile's house um, so that they could participate in the Passover. But they are also eager to turn Jesus over to the Roman officials so that he will be crucified by the state. This is what we know that they don't. Their actions of handing Jesus over to the Roman officials will result in Jesus' death and resurrection that will cover the sins of all people. So, one sacrificial lamb in exchange for many. These leaders are trying so hard to get rid of Jesus and to celebrate their old customs but they have no idea that their actions will only solidify Jesus as Savior and bring about the very things that he was sent to this earth to do. The second thing that I notice here is the last part of the exchange, their responses to Pilate, um, Pilate's inquiry of his crime. So they say, Pilate says, what did he do? And they say, well, if he was innocent, he wouldn't be here, (laughs) obviously. And then Pilate says, okay, so you deal with him. And they say, we're not allowed to. (laughs) So they want to get rid of Jesus. They want him dead. Um, That much is clear. It's been clear many times in the Gospels. Um, But they can't do it themselves. And they failed to get Jesus to confront any real crime the night before when the high priest was questioning him. So they're kind of stuck. And they're making Pilate do their dirty work. They want him taken care of, and they can't do it themselves, so they're putting their trust in this Roman official to get the job done and get rid of Jesus. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? This passage, as opposed to dramatic irony, is full of situational irony, meaning there's a reversal of how things are expected to go. Jesus is supposed to be the one on trial, but in his responses to Pilate, he kind of flips the power, and it kind of makes it seem like Pilate is the one on trial. Pilate's the one having to answer to Jesus. Um, Pilate asks Jesus if he is king of the Jews, tells him that his own nation has turned against him, and Jesus says, actually, that's not my nation, that's not my kingdom. My kingdom isn't from this world. Pilate completely misses the point and says... Aha, so you are a king. And Jesus says, you're the one saying that. I'm saying that I was brought into this world to show the truth. And everyone who belongs to the truth listens to me. And Pilate, again missing the point and pointedly not listening to him, says, what is truth? Misunderstandings like this are pretty common, pretty common throughout the book of John. The author of this gospel likes to show Jesus using symbols or metaphors to explain his kingdom or his way of life, and the people who follow the truth get these symbols, and the people who don't follow the truth don't get the symbols. Um, So Mark Mark Strauss says that, For those with faith, however, the symbols mask the truth, creating confusion and misunderstanding. Nicodemus cannot comprehend the metaphor of new birth. The woman at the well is at first confused by Jesus' reference to living water. And here in this story, Pilate is interpreting Jesus' kingdom as like a real kingdom, meaning he's a king of this world. The metaphors and symbols of the fourth gospel both reveal and conceal. So Jesus' use of the kingdom in this passage is meant to illuminate for those who already know the truth and kind of confuse those who don't which explains Pilate's confusion, because if you haven't picked up already, he is not listening to the truth. Um, he's not in the truth, so he's not listening to Jesus' voice. But my focus is kind of on Pilate's question. What is truth? It's a valid question. Uh, the way Pilate asks this question, I'm kind of envisioning it as like a scoffing question, like one that's used to like close a conversation that he doesn't have much power over. So... Jesus is claiming to be brought into the world to testify to the truth, and Pilate's saying, okay, but what is the truth? And moves on quickly, missing the fact that Jesus has just told him what the truth is. Jesus said, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. To me, this means that everything Jesus has done and everything Jesus has said points to the truth. Scholar N.T. Wright puts it like this. Truth is a gift, a strange quality that, like Jesus' kingdom, in fact, comes from elsewhere but is meant to take up residence in this world. Jesus has come to give evidence about this truth. He is himself the truth. He was put on this earth to show us what the truth is. If we want to know what the truth is, we simply have to look at his life and his words and his deeds and his death and his resurrection. And then we will know. Jesus tells this to Pilate, and Pilate is too blinded to see it. He did not realize what was right in front of him. Instead, he flippantly scoffs, brushes off Jesus' proclamation, and facetiously asks, what is truth? Unable to admit that he has already found it. After Pilate said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. So so Pilate proclaims Jesus innocent, and yet again the Jewish leaders reject the truth and find any way to get rid of Jesus. They, like Pilate, are unable to realize that the truth is right in front of them. And so they sweep it away, hoping to get rid of it. This time by swapping his release for the criminal Barabbases. So Sarah's translation actually um, said it, while well, the NRSV did not. But bandit doesn't mean thief like it does for us. It kind of means that Barabbas would be guilty of political insurrection. So... Here's more irony for you. Jesus, who has just been declared innocent of political insurrection, will die in the place of someone who is actually guilty of political insurrection. And the Jews are trading in an innocent man for a guilty one, and they know that, and they're fine with that. Pilate didn't see it at the time. Even cunning Caiaphas probably didn't appreciate the irony of the point. But John wants us to see it. This is what the cross will mean. This is what the truth is and what the truth does. Truth is what Jesus is, and Jesus is dying for Barabbas and for Israel and for the world, and for you and me. Every part of Jesus points to the truth. Every part of Jesus is the truth. His birth, his life, his miracles, his teachings, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. If we want to know what the truth is, we simply have to look to Jesus. I used to think that staying rooted in Jesus' truth meant having all the right answers or knowing everything you possibly can about the Bible, tackling the hard questions, making sure I had a solid answer, prepared if someone tried to trip me up. I wanted to know everything. And that made me really knowledgeable. And I can still wow some people with Old Testament trivia. But then I realized that it's really not about having all the right answers because it's kind of impossible to have all the right answers. And you have to be okay with not having all the right answers and okay with having doubts, but still somehow believe in the truth while having doubts and not all the answers. And it was really hard for me to figure out that you can know the truth without knowing all of the little itty-bitty truths. Like, do I know how Jesus was fully God and fully man? No. Do I know that Jesus is the truth? Yes. Do I know how Jesus rose from the dead? No. Do I know that it's true? Yes. You cannot know a lot and still know everything that you need to know. And all those little truths don't need to fit together right now um, in order to make the big truth of Jesus stay true. The big truth, Jesus, is true, and that's a fact, and that's not changing, and we can wrestle with the little ones while still being confident in the big one. Knowing that is one thing, believing it is another, and living it out is yet another. (laughs) We are living in this world... But Jesus in this passage says that his kingdom that is not from this world is the true one. And our world and Jesus' kingdom don't always line up. In fact, they rarely ever do. And when they don't line up, we have a choice. We have to choose if we are more formed in the world or more formed in the truth. We have to choose if we are going to pick the world's vision, what I'll call our comfortable lie, or God's vision, which would be the hard truth. So, we can look at some of our choices. We could be like the Jewish leaders in this story, who want to get rid of anything that threatens their version of the truth, so that we don't have to think about it anymore, so that our way is safe. The Jews pick a zealot over the teacher. They pick an insurrectionist, a violent man, over a non-violent Jesus. Sometimes we would rather pick what we know, even if it is toxic, even if it's scary, even if it's proven inefficient in the long run, over something new, something hard to digest, something that threatens our entire belief system, something that will make us reconsider what the truth is, something that will make us change our lives, something that might make us admit that we were wrong. Sometimes, like these Jewish leaders, we'd rather get rid of that nagging thing in our ear and settle for what we can live with, even though it isn't perfect. We could be like Pilate, who scoffs at this new idea and instead of confronting it, acts like it doesn't really matter, and then does away with it because he can. His response to me seems like the modern day, like, truth is relative argument, like, truth is relative, no one can know the truth, like, is there an absolute truth? What does it matter? But the thing is, it matters a great deal. It's just easier to pretend that it doesn't. Jesus' truth is hard to hear, harder to believe, and even harder to live out. Sometimes it's easier to pretend that it doesn't matter instead of doing the hard work to digest it and think critically about it and listen to new ideas and realize that your way of life needs changing. The comfortable lie of meaninglessness, letting you get away with not being formed by Jesus' words. But where is that going to take you, and what kind of life are you going to lead with that? Or we can remember last week's sermon and be like Peter, who knows the truth and claims they would die for the truth, and even fights others in defense of the truth, but when the going gets tough in a moment of weakness, we deny the truth in order to save ourselves. As I said before, it's harder to hear the truth, or it's hard to hear the truth, harder to believe it, and harder still to live it out. And Peter is stuck here at number two. He has heard it and he believes it, but he struggled to live it out in this instance. So we can claim to believe in Jesus' kingdom all day. We can say that we are following the truth, that we prefer his kingdom to that of our world. But do we live it? Do our lives reflect that? Or are we like Peter, who realizes it's much easier said than done? Or we could be like Jesus, the only one in this story who stays true to himself and his values. He doesn't pass his problems on to someone else to get them to do his dirty work. He doesn't try to please other people and end up doing something that he knows is wrong. And he doesn't deny the truth to get out of the hard things ahead of him. Instead, he follows the truth, the reason that he was sent into this world, to his death. From an outsider's perspective, it might look like Jesus loses in this story. I mean, he's about to be condemned and crucified. But really, he's the only one who gets his way. He knows that this is what he was brought into the world for. He knows how this is going to end, and he knows that the truth will be revealed through it. He is the truth. So, let's live in his truth. Let's know with confidence which world and which kingdom we want to follow. As you know, easier said than done. Picking God's kingdom over the world is hard. Choosing to be formed in God's truth over the lies of this world goes against everything that we're used to. It can be uncomfortable and weird and hard and sometimes maybe even dangerous. But still, despite how hard it is and how easy it is to doubt sometimes, I have to believe that living a life that is formed in Jesus' truth is the only life worth living. And hopefully you all feel the same way, and that's why you keep coming back here every Sunday. Hopefully this isn't just a stale routine for you, and I hope you want your life to be radically changed by Jesus' truth and by being part of bringing his kingdom to this earth. It's not easy, but it is essential. Let's pray. May we have the courage to root ourselves in your kingdom, refusing to run or push your truth when it gets hard or pass it off for others to figure out. We know that the truth matters. We want to be like Jesus, who embodied the truth in every aspect of his life. Just like him, may we wrestle with it, choose it, live with it, die with it, and find eternal life in it. Amen.